Sir, we've had a little problem. These two women are just arriving. They objected to giving up their weapons. Klingons do not surrender their weapons. Who are you? We are Lursa and Baton of the House of Duras. Hello and welcome to the Duras Sisters podcast. We are not Klingons, but we are sisters. And I'm Ashlyn. And I'm Rihanna. And today is the last episode of our first officer series. We are talking about Una. She is the first first officer and she is the last first officer. (laughs) How incredible are we able to bookend with this amazing character who finally has a name. Una Chin Riley is here for four different series we will be talking about her today. Four, you say? What? How many is it? Four, Rihanna. (laughs) But that's true. It is four. Yeah. So we are going to be talking about Discovery today. We're going to be talking about Strange New Worlds today. We're going to be talking about the original series today. And we will be talking about Short Treks today. See, I feel like Strange New Worlds might become as chaotic as Discovery. I feel like there are some warning signs. And Una having four different series to discuss her in... I think might be one of those uh, signals, but that's okay, you know? Yeah, it's all good. But before we talk any more about Una, I want to thank Wolf Witt, Rick Mason, John T. Bold, Gildara, Jeff Richardson, Never Otter Even, Anna Post, T. Alexander, Ivan Fetch, and Michelle Mybell. I will always say that. Um, (laughs) (laughs) For being a patron of our podcast, we are very grateful to you. So I also want to shout out Eli and Cosplay. We've been talking so much on Twitter over the past couple weeks, and oh my god, Eli was able to meet... Kate Mulgrew in Prague and had a one-on-one meeting with her and wrote, like, collected a bunch of, like, fan messages, including one from the Dura Sisters podcast, and gave that message to Kate Mulgrew. So just, like, you are so amazing, Eli, in cosplay. Thank you so much. It's been wonderful to see your journey meeting so many amazing Trek celebrities. So... Just thank you for existing, and thank you for being so generous with your willingness to pass on that message from us. You're the best. <laughs> Seriously amazing. Like, it's so cool to have Trek fans in our life who are so dedicated to the actors. And, like, so cool that Eli got to meet Nana as well and so many other amazing actors. And so Trek, cool. So. Yeah, I'm just ah, jealous, jealous of your lives. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I saw that um, there was the big, like, Uh, convention in Germany too I know where's Bev was there and like so many other Star Trek fans that I know and like have been getting to know more online and I'm just ah screaming I'm like how am I supposed to wait till uh Mission Seattle for a next Star Trek con like I really just want to like go to one right now (laughs) I was actually googling I was like are there any coming up in DC or like anywhere near you North Carolina yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah Wow. Anyway. Well, thank you all. We really appreciate everyone who has been supporting. And I also do want to shout out Haven as well, uh, who is just a constant, Love. a constant supporter. They are just amazing. Um, yeah, just you all are so lovely. And we're so happy to have you as listeners. Oh, also, um, <laughs> sorry, one more. Shout out Fist. <laughs> one more person. Yeah, because we just have so many people that we're grateful for. So I I saw the most amazing TikTok ever yesterday from Random Gotham, who is Rick, one of our patrons. He bought one of our shirts and has an amazing TikTok. So please go check him out as well. 
Yeah, and thank you, Mary, for buying one of our shirts. Like, wow. Oh, my gosh. That Cerrito shirt is really popular. My girlfriend has one, and it looks really good on her, and I want one now. Everyone's buying the Cerritos one. I'm like, yeah, it's it's time. It's a good thing to buy. Also, I just got word that, like, it literally just happened. We got our 1,000th and 100th Twitter follower. Um, So Maddie, with a little, like, comment emoji, thank you. I love trying to describe social media on a like on a like audio only platform. It's really difficult. I know. Well, and their username is user six underscore two eight three one. So Yay! Woo! Thank you, user six underscore two eight three one. We really love you. Love you, Maddie. <laughs> thank you for following us. Um yeah, and thank you all for just being so amazing. So Shall we get into this? Yes, shall we get in? And Rihanna, I was just laughing because I I have so many podcasts that I listen to and all of them start like, okay, how are you? How's your week been? You know? (laughs) We never do (laughs) check-ins. We never do check-ins. And I thought that was so funny because we're just like, okay. Sometimes we have, you know, like open these like this where we talk to each other and sometimes we're like, okay, so here's the thing about Spock. (laughs) We're like down to business. Well, I think the thing is too, Ashland is like, like, we probably call each other three to four times a day. Like, I'm not exaggerating. And so that's what we check in, you know, on our regular calls or, like, podcast meetings. And then I think we just forget to check in on the pod because we're, we're like, oh, yeah, I already know what's going on in her life. Yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. It's only if it's, yeah. like, the January 6th insurrection occurred yesterday. Oh. I hope everyone's okay, you know? <laughs> like, or, like, Roe v. Wade was just overturned. <laughs> God, what's next? Yeah, so I mean, listeners, let us know, you know, if you want us to do more check-ins. Can you want to hear more about our lives? Sure. I'm an open book. I'll give you stuff. Yeah, we'll talk. inform you about ourselves. Yeah. But anyway, now we are turning to Una. It's time. She's the one we're gonna have to check in with because she's she's got some stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, quite a lot. So as we mentioned, we are going through so many different series. But we are going to just to talk about the podcast, which, Rihanna, we didn't even make a plan of. Oh, I think we should just go in order of release. Do you think release or chronologically? That's what I meant, chronologically. No, Q&A <laughs> is before. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically. <laughs> okay, freaked out. Okay, well. Because I freaked, actually we could talk about. Q&A I freaked first. out because I was disappointed that I didn't watch it first. Because I should have. Yeah, even though what it you know should, probably was very jarring. Um, <laughs> so I don't know, listeners. Let's watch Q and A first. Okay, we'll so we are going to talk first about Q and A. This is how you get how we're doing. You get insights into our conversations. Oh yeah. Um, okay, so first Q and A, which is a short trek. So just a reminder, if you've been seeing those on Paramount.com, you should. If you want to go see a start, <laughs> what's wrong with me? Paramount.com. Get all your shirt tricks here. Not, a, not available in a place. Oh, my God. Um, uh, don't forget about the short, short tricks. They are on Paramount. If you would like to see any of the Star Trek movies, you they... You just say plus. Why do you keep on saying Plus. <laughs> Like, I know it's a shitty streaming service. <laughs> it's not even, I'm like, there's no plus. So you can go watch them on Paramount+. Plus. If you would like to see any of the Star Trek movies, you can no longer watch them on Paramount+. Plus. <sighs> so, Sorry. <laughs> I'm really mad about that if you can't tell. I don't know what's going on with Paramount. Like, they need to get it together. 
Like, if you're going to monopolize an entire uh, franchise, you need to have all of the franchise on there. I really hope this is temporary and people listening in the future are like, thank God they resolved that because <laughs> think about us suffering in the moment. Like, at yeah. random times, I need to watch The Voyage Home. And if oh. it's not there, I have to go to my DVD shelf and yeah. put it in the DVD player. Oh. And that's like an extra five minutes, you know? No, that's way too much work. And... It's annoying because when we did our movie series, it was even somehow worse because it was on every different platform. <laughs> so we just had to be like, okay, I think 2009 is the one we have to rent because it's nowhere, you know. So it's just, it's a constant struggle that we're, we're dealing with. And also shout out to my friend Hazel who lives in the UK who has oh. to like find other ways to watch Star Trek. I'm really sorry. And I'm really glad that like Paramount's trying to be better, but... I'm just sorry that it's so hard to watch Star Trek if you're not in the U.S. Seriously, so. I know. We shouldn't even be complaining. It used to be, like, the releases of new shows would be months apart. Mm-hmm. Now it's more than 24 hours. And so, or it's 24 hours exactly, I don't know. But I'm very sorry. And I hope that you all are not getting spoiled. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> you know, like, I haven't even seen the new Lower Decks today, but I can't complain because I could literally watch it at midnight. I know. I know. Same. <laughs> Anyway, so, anyway, we digress. <laughs> we are going to start with Q&A, and then we're going to talk about, oh, the cage from the original series, <laughs> back to sexism, and then <laughs> then we will go to Discovery with an obol for Charon, literally just the first scene, and then the Una scenes from Such Sweet Sorrow, otherwise you will have such sweet sadness if you watch the whole thing. <laughs> And we are going to end with uh, Ghosts of Illyria and Spock Amok from Strange New Worlds. So let's talk a little bit about this watch list and how we created it because I just want to like complain a little because I guess we're just doing a lot of complaining at the beginning (laughs) of this pod today. It's okay. We're getting it all out now. We don't have to talk about Archer later. So all the complaining is like early in the pod. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So I was able to join Strange New Pod to talk about the finale, uh, Quality of Mercy, a couple weeks or a couple months ago, I guess it was now. And we discussed a little bit about the severe lack of number one in this show. And I just have to complain a little bit about this because I think it is a huge failing of season one. I think that season one of Strange New Worlds is doing phenomenally, phenomenally. I think that they're on the right track. I think that there's so much that they are doing well that we have to kind of talk about the stuff they're not doing well because like for the most part, it's such a good show and I have barely little to complain about. But I think my biggest issue is that we were introduced to Una and to Rebecca Romaine as the actress or as the actor who plays her in Discovery. And so I was expecting a lot more of her character because she was sort of like with Pike from the beginning. When we first met Pike, we met Una pretty, pretty soon after, you know, or at least like knew she was there. We knew we were looking forward to seeing number one and seeing the like literal reincarnation of Majel Barrett, like do an incredible job, you know, like this deserves way more credit than she's ever given or way more screen time. And I'm just like, this is why our watch list for Strange New Worlds, like we should have like six or seven episodes. We should have the season. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's an entire season of Strange New Worlds out and I only was able to choose two episodes that I thought were even somewhat viable to talk about Una as a first officer or just as a character. Like truly there's not that much that we get to see and you know, this is, like, a hard thing to do with an ensemble cast, but we've seen Trek do it better, and so I'm just like, do a little better, guys. Like, you have so many episodes focused on Spock, and don't get me wrong, I love that, but, like, it also needs to be synthesized with episodes that 
talk about these other characters that especially someone like Una we've been wanting to know we've been wanting to know more about her for literally decades yes thank you for bringing this up it's kind of the elephant in the room about this season I am always on the lookout for any kind of behind the scenes explanation like you know we've talked about Tignataro was dealing with breast cancer during the filming of Discovery which is why she's been in and out of the show mm-hmm. from what I've seen like, I haven't seen any explanation for why Rebecca Romaine is not in more episodes of season one. I do know I've heard interviews with her very excitedly talking about season two because we had this huge thing drop, you know, happen to her, yeah. which we'll talk about um, at the end of the pod. Um, so there's there's a lot more to come, and she's very excited about all the plots that she's involved with in the next season. So I'm excited for that. But I am right with you, Rian. I'm disappointed that we don't get to see more of her. But I do think we have enough to talk about her in a first officer sense, which is what we're going for in our series. And who knows? I mean, it's very likely that we could revisit these series with Una, especially if Strange New Worlds has a multitude of seasons. I feel like it's probably three, but I think it should be ten. I think it should go up until Kirk's first year. Um, whatever. And then I, yeah, and the last episode is what happened to Pike, Rihanna, that we can't. No, 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 no. Kirk took the command before Pike got injured, so we wouldn't have to see it. Oh, okay, that's fine. I just can't, yeah. like, end the series like that, you no, know? No, no. <laughs> no, it would, it, I don't think they would, but I just want to see it through. Like, I want to be able to, like, experience some big portion of the 11 years that Spock was serving with Pike, you know? Yes, yes. I would love to see Fleet Captain Pike, like, even just the start of that, you know? Yeah. Because then you will answer my question, what is a Fleet Captain, and what do they do? (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, we just see them get promoted everywhere, and... Flying around. Uh, I don't know. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so let's talk about Q&A, which I had to sneak in to talk about first, because it's historic. This is the first time we see Spock beaming onto the Enterprise. This is crazy. (laughs) (laughs) This short trek is like the short trek of my dreams. It answered so many questions or just like... They, uh, an interaction I never knew I wanted to see until yes. I got to see it. Okay, also, I just want to pause and say it's 14 minutes long. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it this second yeah. and then come back and you can think about it with us. Yeah. So you're back from watching this. Congrats. Welcome I back. Hope, I Thanks. Hope you enjoyed it. <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> watching. Yes, Rihanna. And I remember seeing this right when it came out. One of the first things I noticed is that Ethan Peck is nailing Spock as we know him in the pilot, which is like yeah. shouty Spock. Um, Yelly Spock, smiley Spock. Smiley Spock. Like it's Nimoy when he doesn't really know who Spock is yet. And he's still yeah. crafting him. And also, which, you know, I have to save some stuff for the for the cage. But so I'm, I'm loving that Ethan Peck is already putting that character into Spock. Also, we don't know Una's name yet. And she keeps saying number one. And Spock asks her a couple different times during the short trek, what's your name? And she's like, it's number one. <laughs> Yeah, people call me number one. Um, You know, I think that this is another thing that, of course, we're going to talk about when we arrive at the cage. um, But this is so cool because it, like, canonized Spock's weird smiling, which is, like, such a weird thing to canonize, but it's so brilliant, you know? Like, because we all wondered why he was grinning at the flowers in the cage, you know? And you're just like, okay, it's just, like, like you said, Nimoy figuring out his his stuff, which is true. But then Star Trek was able to, like, and the writers were able to make it 
in like work it into the narrative they did it in such a cool way by having him interact with una uh at his first meeting you know and i love that like the first officer is sort of the one there to greet the new ensigns you know she's just there ready to see him uh walk him down the corridor essentially see how many questions he has to ask even as we see her first she's like working on a log you know she's clearly very busy you know, they've got a lot going on and then we get spock's beeman she sees his little smile <laughs> has during beeman i'm like yeah you're about to board the enterprise i'd be smiling even if i was like <laughs> a full vulcan so i really like that this introduction we see sort of how busy everyone is and like how quickly una's having to like switch from one task to the next like she has to like pause her log right in the middle of him beaming in so it's just interesting Yes. One of the first things we hear her say is, Spock, you've only been on the ship for 37 seconds and you haven't asked a single question. And this is what I expect of you as science officer is you should be having questions nonstop to everyone you meet forever. Like ad nauseum. Yeah, Maybe ad nauseum. Much, yeah. Like, and she says that to him too, like once we're in the triple lift, like ask me questions until I get sick of you. And... Mm-hmm. I thought it was a little unfair because literally Spock has only been there for 30 seconds. Like, I I know it's like a joke. Um, yeah. But still, I was like, um, he will ask questions. Just give him a second. <laughs> yeah. I think this, we're right away seeing Una's nature is very straightforward. She can come across as a little abrasive because she's just going to be right to the point. But it works so well with Spock because he's so used to that. Like, he grew up around Vulcans who just say what they mean and speak truth, you know, and or their truth, you know. And so I think that, that is probably pretty normal for him. But for an audience, it's I agree. It was a little off putting of like, OK, like we get it. You you're te- you know, like he he just got here. He's in awe of the, the ship, you know, <laughs> like I'd be speechless, too. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm skipping ahead a little but in the nature of sort of us talking about Una's um, like personality traits. I am always like a little thrown off watching this episode because I love it so much, but I have some issues with it, you know? Like I I think that that particularly the conversation they finally have about keeping the freaky to yourself, um, this whole dialogue that they have, because she points out to Spock when they're stuck in the turbo lift, oh, I noticed that you smiled when you were beaming onto the Enterprise. I didn't think that Vulcans like smiled. And she knows about his half-human's, like, status and everything. And then Una goes on to say, I don't mind you smiling, but it was a little off-putting because I don't expect a Vulcan to smile. And Spock says, I shall endeavor to not smile in the future or something along that line. Una says it's not necessarily a bad thing, but if you're wanting, if you want command, you're going to have to, quote, keep the freaky to yourself. I just think that that is such a bad way of telling someone how to be especially on their first day on the job you know and you see a Vulcan smile you feel off put that's your business that's not Spock's business to have to contain that and so I've always like just found that line really disconcerting and really like dicey you know I just think that what she meant of course was that if you want to be a captain you're going to have to conform to certain Starfleet standards and like interaction standards you know and she knows that him being one of the first non-humans aboard a very heavily human ship is going to cause some problems if he wants to be captain but even after he tells her blatantly i do not desire command i do not want to be captain she's like bullshit she you know says and i'm like why would you not believe him like it's just so silly you know i think some people are just like 
uh, you know, I don't want to be captain, but they're keeping that close to their chest, or they actually do, or whatever. And so maybe she's assuming that of him, but, like, first, once he says he doesn't want to be captain, then don't tell him to keep the freaky to himself, you know? Like, if, if that's your only reason for telling him that is because you think he wants command, it just seems like a weak excuse to say something like that to someone, particularly, she doesn't know any of Spock's upbringing, so, like, I can't, you know, fault her for that, but... That's a pretty damaging thing to say to Spock, in my opinion. Yeah, this is a interesting scene. I was feeling similarly to you, Rihanna, until I like kept going because yeah. I feel like what really justifies what she says to Spock is, oh well, and just to finish your line that you were quoting, um, she says, "Speaking from experience, keeping your freaky to yourself is really hard." Um, and Spock says. Um, He's like, yeah, it is hard, you know, so he's acknowledging... I've been doing it my whole life. Exactly. Yeah. I've been doing it all my life, and it is, like, hard. I think that's his way of kind of pushing back and saying, hi, welcome to Spock. Yeah. Um, this is <laughs> I the, know this. Yeah, like, this is what I always have done my whole life. <laughs> so then she says, well, now you're... Now I'm going to answer the most obvious question. And as a viewer, I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, you know, clearly she has some freaky going on, but, like, I... That's what she's going to answer. And then she sings a very model of a modern major general, which was shaking. <laughs> That's something. It's it's giving me Jordy. <laughs> Stop it. Stop it. You know it, it is. Jordy a disaster. <laughs> now just... I can only imagine him being like, everybody add a bottle of vegetable and vegetable. <laughs> <laughs> and Crusher's like, you're a little off pitch, but we'll get you there. <laughs> I'm dead, Rihanna. This is totally Jordy vibes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, coming from the opera world and knowing and loving modern major major general, and even we did that in high school. So Rihanna mm-hmm. has heard that song all the time. It's Gilbert and Sullivan from Pirates of Penzance. Um, I absolutely. Yeah, Ashlyn, I was just gonna flex you for a second. Oh, yeah. So you got to be Ruth. I was the lead mezzo. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. In high school, that was fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and the guy I was dating was the guy who sang Modern Major General. So yeah, I <laughs> heard it a lot, too. <laughs> yeah. That's something you got to, like, take a lot of hours to learn. Yeah. It's like, animals and mineral. Like, it's, I mean, it it's a lot of words. On. Yeah, it's, like, very fast. Like, the it's clear that we took a long time to learn this. Or yeah. she just listens to Gilbert and Sullivan a lot. But I feel like that's such a great, like overlap is music and science songs you know (laughs) yeah yeah. oh my gosh it's like the dorkiest music song you could choose so then when spock joins in i'm like this is wonderful this is really good and i think my only problem with it that doesn't completely erase the conversation they previously had is then at the end like when the turbo lift is fixed she says you will you will erase this from your memory and we will never talk about this again and yeah. I, she's serious and it makes me sad you know she like, makes him swear to it like yeah. Starfleet oath <laughs> on your honor as a vulcan a vulcan <laughs> like wow god you know god forbid that your first officer sing a little you know yeah i okay the the other thing that i kind of got from this short trick was a little bit of chemistry <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, explain more. Did you not feel this? I really thought like their faces were really close together. And I mean, there's just like that trope of like you're with someone for a long time in an elevator or turbo lift and you start to like feel some feelings. Obviously, none of that occurs. But 
Um, I don't know. I just felt the chemistry. I kind of like, I remember watching this before I saw Strange New Worlds, kind of worried that Spock <laughs> and Una were going to develop a oh, relationship. God. Could you imagine? Well, I'm saying like Spock is the most eligible bachelor on the ship. So it's no surprise. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Um, yeah, I, they were standing awfully close together. I was like, all right. But you don't need to stand that close for sure. And like the boost, I was like, sexual boost. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay. So she's like, on your knees, Spock. I'm like, nice. Okay. <laughs> you know who would be the top of that relationship. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I do like, though, that because I love when Spock starts singing and then they laugh together. That is just the cutest part. I think that like that sort of shared moment together is really important because Una, like, you know, as much as I have qualms about what she told Spock, like, I think that she's really good at putting people at ease in a way that, like, you wouldn't expect, you know? Everyone is so intimidated by her that, like, once she's lets her guard down around you, then you really get to see, like, then you really get a special shared moment with her. And I think that it is kind of cool that it's their shared secret, even though she, like, literally swore him to secrecy about her, her, her quote-unquote freaky side. Um... But it does mean that then they have this bond. It's very essential for an ensign coming in to feel like they're starting to be a part of the crew, you know, and they're starting to actually uh, have these interactions. And he gets it right off the bat. So that's really cool. And Spock is going to be on the bridge, you know, like even as an ensign, he's a great science officer. She's going through his credentials, which I also love because it gives fans who haven't like read extensive fan fiction or who haven't done a lot of like background <laughs> research on Spock like just an understanding of how much schooling he got in Starfleet and how much time he spent there um so you get that kind of appreciation for him too which I like yes. and and Una like she appreciates him in that way I love them talking about this really difficult class that he took with the teach with the professor and everything like it's cool they have those shared experiences as well also, yes, we do get the reveal of her name, Una, which she says uh, the Una Matrix is where, like, that's so funny, you know, that I, because we've, we've heard Una Matrix be used, like, a million times in Star Trek at this point, you know, and so that was really cool. I always hear. thought it was Unimatrix, like, with an oh, N. Oh, I am thinking about Unimatrix. Yeah. <laughs> Una Matrix. It, oh, yeah, that was a, uh, like, synthesized program she created that uh combined two different matrices and she called it the una matrix matrix and so i'm like dang she's like very i mean obviously she's qualified if she's number one of like the flagship but it's even more so when you see just like how quick to answer all these really complicated science questions and just complicated questions in general spock has like she doesn't you know, hesitate to get all in to explain, you know, how awesome she is, essentially. Absolutely. And one thing I want to say uh, before we move on is that kind of back to you were saying about like, keep the freaky inside and that whole conversation. I do think it's setting up for this reveal that we get at the end of or in the beginning of Strange New Worlds. And I'm just going to say it now she is an Illyrian. Mm-hmm. And Illyrians are a humanoid species. But instead of like letting their letting themselves be like naturally developed, like just born and bred, um, they genetically modify their genes. And that is a male man. (laughs) And that after the eugenics wars of the 1900s or of the 1990s, which I know they've said retcon to be later. um, (laughs) Because the eugenics wars are still to come probably like next year, Rihanna. What do you think? Like maybe 10 years we have the eugenics wars. Um, At least. At least. Um, And so... 
uh, it's illegal to be an Illyrian in Star Trek. I mean, in Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's illegal to be an Illyrian in the Federation. So I think that's probably mostly what she was talking about. You know, you have to keep your freaky to yourself. And so, but I love how the short track kind of leaves it. Like maybe it's just that she's a big lover of opera and operetta, you know? <laughs> so as a singer, what did you think about Rebecca Romaine's voice? Oh, <laughs> oh no. Um, oh, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's not like great. It's not Agnes Strati. <laughs> bad but not. actually i think agnes like could sing in tune i mean it's no offense oh, like it's it's yeah, no okay, offense sorry. like singing in tune is is um uh hard for a lot of people i'm, I'm sorry i just i just <laughs> i think she's more she's not really singing she's like speak singing you know true true yeah. um she's like i am the very model singing. of a modern major general and like there is definitely a melody but it's definitely like what she was doing was kind of like speaking it and so once the music came in with the orchestra behind her then I was like okay this is much better because like I don't know if she like was able to hear that music she was able to kind of keep on track once that kept going um Mm -hmm. yes that helped yes yeah but thanks for asking, Rihanna. I appreciate when I can use my... I'm always uh, curious, yeah. I mean, I even Ethan Peck was like, oh, no. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, even, do you remember he sang a little bit in Children of the Comet? And it was just, like, so cute and out of tune. Yeah. But it's, it's kind of endearing when it's Spock, you know. I mean, he's he clearly did not inherit Leonard Nimoy's beautiful singing voice. Like, oh. if, um, if Ethan Peck ever did a cover of um, the Hobbit song, or, of the Bilbo... <laughs> Bilbo Baggins... <laughs> The greatest little hobbit of them all. Do, 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 do. <laughs> oh yeah, that's just a slapping, so slapping oh. song. Um, okay, well, Rihanna, I think let's move on to the cage. Long overdue. Um, I just have to say, question mark: Is this Major Roddenberry's best role? <laughs> Whoa! Because Great I know it's so small, but to me. She is in top form as number one. And she's great as Loaxana. She's great as Chapel. But I felt like she really shines, like, in her facial expressions, in her, like, small movements in this episode. She is absolutely fantastic and completely underutilized. And I'm just so sad that she does not get to continue in the original series because, I mean, she does as Chapel, but I don't know. There was just something about her that was just, like, enchanting for this whole episode for me period yeah she has got some electricity on the screen she is so fun to watch I think especially getting to sort of focus on her this watch through was really fun because I can kind of put all the like pike vena bs aside you know even though we talk about it so extensively in our other podcast series it was kind of nice to just focus on number one and her duties aboard enterprise while pike is being taken and their efforts to get him back and um, yeah, I agree. She's in top form. You know, I think the only time Majel Barrett did better was when she's M rest. You know, that purr really is perfect. <laughs> you might have a, a valid argument to make there. M rest is amazing. I also think, um, her voice as the ship's computer is pretty infallible. Yeah, like, her voice acting is as good as her, like, regular acting. I don't know what you call her her, li- her live action acting <laughs> body <laughs> acting I don't know I, um, I actually saw yeah. an amazing meme and and then we'll get back to Una um mm-hmm. where it was Troy and Riker and they were like sitting together and um 
Troy's like, oh, do you want to like get freaky? Um, or, or something like that. Yeah, say it. <laughs> okay, Rihanna, say it. I think I remember. Okay. Um, 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 yeah, so Troy says, like, oh, will you go replicate us some protection? And, um, and he's like, oh, do I have to? And she's like, little Will can't, can't fly into space without his EV suit. And he goes, no, it's not that. It's just, like, the, the computer sounds like your mom. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the best. Like, truly... So funny. Just like takes me out of it, you know? <laughs> yeah, that would be a mood dampener. <laughs> oh, oh, so, so funny. Good. Anyway, um, yes, I absolutely love number one in the cage. Right away, we see that the ship is full of men. It's just chock full of men. <laughs> oh my, yeah. Yeah, and she is at the comms. I'm not sure. Is she Helm? Like, is she the pilot? No, uh, maybe. I couldn't tell if she was, like, navigation or if she was, like, weapons Mm -hmm. or just, like, general, um, ship user. Yeah. Yeah. I think, well, so, uh, I mean, I know that's normally Sulu's spot and normally he's the pilot, but it changed so much in TNG. Yeah. In TNG, they're kind of just everyone's flying it, I feel like, both people at the helm. Um, so I think it just, but then Detmer is on that side, so maybe she is the pilot, but I think she's more ops or, like, weapons or whatever the other helm officer does. <laughs> yeah, so right, like, this This is different because obviously mostly we've seen the first and second in command sitting, well, actually, TOS, TOS, like, first officer just kind of, I, I guess maybe these first officers have, like, double duty, you know, like, they have to mm-hmm. perform their bridge action and they have to be back up for a captain. Um, yeah, but that's kind of, that's, that's, pretty common i guess in these days yeah Yeah, i guess utilize your people the best you can Mm -hmm. um i thought it was interesting uh in the beginning of the episode the ship is getting hit by like something and it's just hilarious graphics or just hilarious everything about it yeah no i i it's just a shimmer on the screen i was trying to revoke (laughs) i'm like it's not any kind of technology they're using um (laughs) they just shook the camera a little literally yeah and um and Una said, or number one says, evasive action, you know, as if she's mm-hmm. giving an order, but also it's a suggestion to Pike. Mm-hmm. And Pike says, no, uh, just like head on course, like keep going. And so I thought it just yeah. to have that be the first interaction was interesting because it's immediately him being like, nope. Um, I don't know. what it, I, I just thought it was a weird interaction. What do you think, Rihanna? I think it's that's pretty common, you know, like you're going to – Number one's gonna throw off, throw out some suggestions, and I think, <clears throat> I think if you're seeing something that's like coming towards you, and it like is clearly not slowing down, they're like, oh my god, we're gonna collide with this thing. Pike already knows that it's a signal, or he has a hunch. Apparently, Pike's really good with these hunches. <laughs> um, I don't know how he does it, but he knew <laughs> somehow that it was an old signal, and so he said, nah, keep going, <laughs> we'll just blast right through it, and they did. But everyone on the bridge was like. Oh, like they all looked a little scared they were like no evasive action oh we're just doing this okay and it worked out fine but yeah i think that's like that was pretty common you know is like sort of your first officer giving a suggestion more so than pike like shooting her down yeah yeah that's true i don't know i think just because i'm prepared for the next scene that she's in yeah <laughs> which is the famous can't get used to a woman on the bridge scene um so first of all what's this yeoman what's her deal 
Um, like what's, what's what do you mean? Okay, because <laughs> I guess her deal? I guess what's the deal with Pike and the Yeoman? Because he she like comes yeah. on board with these reports on on the bridge, and then Pike is like, "What did I tell you about being on the bridge?" And then she's like, "But Captain, it's five hundred hours, and you wanted your report at five hundred hours." And he's like, "Oh, okay." And then he takes the report. Um, and then everyone's like looking around like what's going on and he says I can't get used to having a woman on the bridge and then that's when Majel Barrett does her like fantastic like turnaround her hair yeah. like flies I just oh, wow beautiful. she's amazing um, yeah. and then he says to her you're different of course and I thought like that line is even more important even like more offensive. it's forgotten yeah. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. uh, but but before we get into that what so what why is is Pike like screaming at women who are on the bridge if it's not 500 hours like what are they bothering him what's happening so what major sorry what uh number one follows up with with when he acts all weird like that she says oh well this is your replacement um for your other yeoman like so apparently he had a male yeoman before so I'm wondering if, like, the sexism, you know, is so rampant in the <laughs> 60s that when they wrote this episode, they're going to go, he's going to get a yeoman, but but listen to this, it's going to be a woman, and he's going to be shocked by that. Like, I literally think the writers were just, like, having Pike be like, oh, a woman, you know? Like, <laughs> she turned around, it wasn't his normal yeoman, and he's like, what the fuck are you doing here? I mean, he's like, what the hell are you doing here? You know, like, I don't know if that's why, or... This is my only non-stupid, uh, like, explanation of this, because otherwise, I mean, it is awful. It's just, like, he's treating her terribly, she's just trying to give her, her report, and I do like that, un- or that uh, number one is immediately like, hey, listen, this is your replacement yeoman, like, treat her like you would a normal yeoman, and that's when he does his whole woman on the bridge line, um... And he apologizes, I think, to number one instead. Yes. He kind of turns to her and says, I'm sorry, I'm just... Uh, or maybe he says it to the yeoman, but it seems like he's more like apologizing to Una. And I'm yeah. like, can you like actually acknowledge the yeoman that you're yelling at in front of you, please? Yes. Okay. And then the line, you're different, of course. I just yeah, think... He says, no offense, lieutenant. Yes. First. Yes. Yeah. No, also, good for her for being first officer as lieutenant, I'm saying right yeah. now. That's not even... Little, yeah. Wait, are you sure she's not a commander? No, no, I'm con- said lieutenant. Yeah, yeah. She's a commander in in disco. Um, yeah. she's she's baby girl right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but okay, so I just think that this introduces a like very common w- method. How how do I say this? I think that this exact line, like you're different, of course, isn't that what everybody says when they're trying to get used to some sort of change, like. It's like, oh, I have that one black friend, like you're different. And all the other black people are like whatever stereotype you want to say. Oh, I have Mm -hmm. one friend who's a guy, a gay guy, and he's this way, but you're different, you know. And people will use that, you know, it's like separate other. um, Well, people will separate. I wrote wrote this down. um, People in their minds will separate some people as the exception and then everyone else is the other and Actually, I thought yes. this was a great example of that. And this is this is how very slowly like change does happen. Is you start like getting to getting to know people who are different, and then maybe people you've known when you were a kid, or people that you've been surrounded by. And so one by one, you're like, oh okay, like, this person doesn't fit the stereotype until you realize, oh my god, like, actually stereotypes are dumb and people are just people. Um, yep. And so I thought that 
as offensive as this line is, it actually might be, like, sort of progressive, you know? Like, I don't know. Yeah. Like, they're trying to dabble. Like, I mean, having a woman on the bridge is mm-hmm. unbelievable. I'm, I mean, I was not alive during this time, but I just can't think about how insane it would be to have a woman who's not the, um, who's who's like in a command position who's on the, the bridge, yeoman. who's not yeah. the yeoman. It's like, um, Whoopi Goldberg always says about having like a black woman who's not a maid, who, who's mm-hmm. a hurrah on the, on the, on the screen. Like someone who's not in a position that's lower than a white man is exceptional yeah. to see. And I think also that's why I'm just so inspired by her too. And, um, later on, I love to see when Pike's down on the planet and they're having a briefing that nobody questions her authority at all. Spock gives all the info and he's like, here's what we should do. And the other men are like, yeah, here's all the stuff. Here's what's going on. And she makes a decision and they follow it immediately. And I just, am, yeah. I love it. Yeah. Wow. Lots to unpack about what you just said. Ashlyn, thank you for bringing it up. Um, quick story. My girlfriend grew up in Tennessee, which uh, in the area she grew up in was pretty white. And so she would have a lot of people tell her because she was like white passing sort of that, uh, or not passing, but just like she would act quote unquote more white than other like black people in uh, her school or whatever. And so she would have so many people tell her, oh, you're one of the good ones. Mm. And this is sort of what it reminded me of just this like really sick uh, way of categorizing people based on like pitting them against other people in their group, whatever it may be, the demographic that people are isolating. And so I think that when he's saying, no offense, Lieutenant, you're different, of course. It's like the of course, too, that gets me really mad. You know, that it's like, oh, you're male passing, essentially. Like, oh, you're basically one of the guys. You're one of the good ones. We're going to treat you like a man because you don't have emotions. You don't show your, because you don't show your emotions. You don't act feminine. So you are one of the good ones. You pass. You get to, like... I forgot that you're a woman on the bridge, you know, pretty much is what he's saying. Um, And I think that, unfortunately, this is what gains her more respect from her peers and what makes them not question anything going on is the fact that she sort of is one of the guys in their minds. I mean, even the freaking Telosian is somehow sexist and said the same thing, you know, like, she's smart and she'll create great offspring, like, Italian offspring, you know, and I'm like what is this or and he he goes on to say like uh she is not emotional but she uses that as a smoke screen or whatever you know and I so think I, just, I wrote it down she says yeah. um she um she comes off as emotionless but it is all an act he <laughs> says and she also has fantasies about pike as well so basically that her emotions are like she acts cold but she's mm-hmm. really not, which of course you would have to act freaking cold in this atmosphere. Well, that, exactly. <laughs> if you're surrounded by men, then I think you're going to start acting like men in order to feel like you can get by and that femininity might be a curse or might be a trap. And so I'm, no pun intended, man trap. <laughs> well, you know, that's but the anyway. next episode. It's not I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> uh, There's anyway. no salt monster in this one. <laughs> no, no Nancy yet. <laughs> it, 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 
this also kind of reminds me very random but of that avatar episode the kiyoshi one where um avatar the last airbender i should just say because avatar 2 is coming soon to theaters and everyone should run away from the blue people or run to the theaters depending on how you feel if it's your favorite good for you but anyway this is the true avatar the last airbender the real avatar yeah (laughs) in the episode kiyoshi warriors or something it's uh at the very end of the episode sokka says to suki Like, I'm so sorry I treated you like a girl when I should have treated you like a warrior. And she goes, I am a warrior. And then she kisses him on the cheek and she says, but I'm also a girl, you know? And so I love that line. And I think about it a lot because, like, first of all, Suki's amazing and deserves the world. And second of all, like, that is how we should think more about people. Like, multifaceted. Guess what? Women aren't just women. They're also officers. They're also, like scientists they're helmsmen they're helmswomen whatever you know and so i just think that like it's so limiting the way that pike is thinking about women and thinking about their roles on his ship and we're i'm gonna see a weird we're gonna see a weird similar comparison in the illyrian episode so i just want to like keep that in our brains because it was (laughs) twilight zoney how like disturbing pike does sort of keep a similar mentality or one of the good ones mentality uh, later on as well. Women aren't just women. They're a bunch of other things as well, just like people are. Guess what? We all have different sides that we show. And just because number one isn't outwardly emotional doesn't mean anything about her her femininity status. Snaps for Rihanna. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, thank you. Um, I... Ugh, yeah, I, I mean, just to like dig deeper into like her whole like mask that she has up about mm-hmm. um, like how she's emotionless. I thought the scene was really interesting when, okay, first of all, we have to start with the best part in the entire episode, which, um, yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, okay, I have, to, I have to keep backtracking. Well, before that and then before that. But so, okay, I'm going to start when Pike first beams down to Talos. He says to number one, I'm sorry you can't come down, but we have to have our most experienced officer to stay back up on the ship. And you can tell she's disappointed. But it's true. Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Pike is playing the Kirk game. That's fine. (laughs) Although, no, because Kirk brings all of his experienced officers down with him. (laughs) He's playing the reverse Riker. (laughs) I feel like that's a card game. <laughs> the reverse Riker. The reverse Riker. It's like the reverse at Uno. But it's Riker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he puts his foot down off the chair instead of on. Oh! Yeah. Like <laughs> anyway. Wow, this is tangent filled. Yeah, episode. this is, we're just like flying away. Um, well, so you can tell she disappointed, but I was actually glad to see that Pike views her as responsible enough to be in charge of the ship while he's gone, which mm-hmm. is good. Like, okay. Yeah. Bare minimum. Bare minimum. <laughs> and then, um, when Pike is captured, they're trying to establish communication with him and they can't, I, I, I can't stop laughing about the scene that's coming up. <laughs> so, um, they go to the transporter room and it's like, Spock and all these other white guys and then (laughs) Colt and number one and all these white men and Spock go down (laughs) to the planet and then they like activate the transporters and only um number one and and Colt go down there and then Spock yells the women (laughs) okay Ashlyn you have to post the video you took on TikTok because like people need to see this 
for its full glory. It is so funny. Like, I, I love that. It's very, like, theater almost. Like, he, like, almost looks at the camera. <laughs> his, like, arms are out. He's like, the women. He, like, takes a step forward. Like, he's about to dance. He's like, the women are gone. Like, <laughs> the women. I just, oh, my gosh. Oh, I love it. I'm thinking. I love all caps box so much. <laughs> the women. Yeah, he's yelling yeah. in this one, which is, of course, why he was yelling in Q&A. Q&A. Uh, I just love yelling Spock so much. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay, well, so then the women are down there, and Vina is pissed. She's like, oh, God, like, why are the Telosians bringing down the women from the Enterprise? Because I almost had him, and they're just getting in my way. Like, Vina is, like, classic, catty, um, mm. very um, uh, like, st- stressed out that Pike is going to, like, want to start banging Colt yeah. at number one. <laughs> like, she's very stressed. And then this is when the Telosians do their whole thing. They're like, okay, pick your woman. Number one will have, like, really smart, intelligent offspring, and she desires you even though she's cold AF. Um, mm-hmm. But Superior mind, they say. Yeah, superior mind. Um, and then I think it's I think it's during this scene, or maybe it was a little earlier, where people are, like, calling Una a computer and saying, like, she's, like, good luck trying to get with her. Like, you're very – she's very cold – and she's basically a computer, like something like that. Um, I think it's was that yeah, that scene? It's uh, Vina who calls her a computer, actually. Yeah, yeah. So I, I initially I was thinking of Spock because I feel like everyone mm-hmm. calls him a computer. Um, totally. And I was at first I was like, why is that offensive? Like, but also it is offensive. You know, I I just I feel it's bad just- for her. Yeah, I think that it really boils down to, again, what you're talking about with because she doesn't show emotions, then how could she be desirable? She's a woman. She should show emotions. And therefore, she's different and othered and we're going to call her a computer. You know, so it's it's sort of the, it's Vina's way of attacking her character yes. to try to, like, get Pike to stay. You know, it's just a it's just a low character assassination, which isn't even correct. Like, she's... Yeah. She has emotions. She just doesn't prefer to show them to everyone, which is freaking fair, you know? Especially a room full of men who are going to judge you for having emotions and judge you for not having them. So. Well, and also she does have emotions. I saw in her little turnaround hair flick every emotion that she was feeling. But yes. no one has the mental or emotional capacity to read her emotions. Exactly. Because we need more women on the bridge. Okay, anyway. Uh, <laughs> yes. This is going to be a feminine series part Feminism. two. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> But okay, the thing but it's important to yeah. talk about in tandem with command. It so. is. And then the other thing that drove me crazy that was tiny about the scene is that then the Telosian turns to Colt and is like, she's like dumb, you know. <laughs> Basically <laughs> like it? calls her less intelligent but says that she has um where is it? Sorry. She's that, young and strong. Yeah, she's something. yeah, she's young and strong, which again, like number one is also young and strong. Shut up. Yeah. Um and then and then he says, um, she has stronger than usual female urges, which, uh, oh my god. Disgusting. Oh my so god. Gross. Like, so gross. And I know the mentality back then is like, the men always want to do it, and they're sexual and excited all the time, and everyone has a super high libido, but, and then the women are like meek, and they never want to do it, and are always making excuses, and... But it's that's a really dangerous stereotype <gasps> that like women don't have sex drives or don't have desires. Yeah. It pisses me off because 
it just it just creates a whole another can of worms, which is like something we can't even get into in nope. this pod. But, <laughs> nope. but I just had to make yeah. note of it that like those stereotypes are outrageous and like yeah, absolutely outrageous. Yep. Okay. I'm gonna I'm yeah. gonna just stop before I keep oh, continue yeah. ranting. I get it. Um yeah. so that was really annoying. And then um Okay, so I like how this sort of comes to an end because I mean, we t- we see some scenes of Una or of number one. She's trying to like blast the door open. That's when she's taking charge and um, mm-hmm. go- telling Spock to turn up the power. It turns out yeah. they did blast through the door, but everything is an illusion. Pike figures this mm-hmm. out, and I actually love their um, communication when they're both trapped in the Telosian's cage because this just seems like a very routine first officer number one relationship to me where pike is like saying hey you know giving her instructions but also like hey like be cool like let's Mm -hmm. let's try this this and that how's the enterprise you know and i i love to see it he's not at all like i was i was thinking he's very like head empty about the Telosians because Vina's like choose me don't you love me choose one of the women and Pike's like I have anger I have to thinking about like destroying the brains of the Telosians because he's trying to use like his primitive emotions to block out the mind probing of the Telosians and it just was so funny to me he's just like I'm gonna destroy you one track mind literally well and it's so funny to me too because the moment Una and uh, and Colt are beamed down into the cage, and the women are gone, uh, Una like the she turns to Pike and is sort of like, "What's going on?" Because Vina's like, "You didn't let me finish." You know, she's <laughs> pissed off. <laughs> I almost had him. And then Una is um, is just sort of like, "What's going on, Captain?" And he's like, "I am filled with hate and yes, anger." And yes. He's like pounding on the the wall. And so I love that then she just doesn't bat an eye. She's like, "Okay, I'm just taking this information in tri- strides. Someone wants me to mate with my captain. That's not happening, you know." And she also, I think is able to stay sort of protective of Colt. I can really tell that she does protect her own too. You know, this is something I really love about one number one in general is that like she's very fiercely loyal and passionate about her crew and about the members of her crew. We see it with, you know, even in Q&A when she's getting to uh, like interact with Spock in these 30 seconds heading to the turbo lift, you know, even. And we see it how she protects Colt and sort of in these ways, like just standing in front of her to little subtle things, you know, like, I just love that about her. And she just is so, she rolls with the punches so well. Like if I were dropped in a situation like this, I'd be way less composed, you know, I'd be freaking out. And it's amazing to watch her stay completely level-headed. Totally agree. And I I love this because I think throughout most of the episode, I didn't really get a good sense of what their like relationship is like as a captain and first officer. And but in that scene, I felt like it was really solid. Um, when yeah, they're in a crisis, when it comes down to it, they can communicate really well. And then at, at the end of the episode, I think is like one of their strongest moments because uh, Pike is able to basically force his way out of the cage. He blasts through a hole in the glass. He threatens to kill the Telogian. Very yeah, he's got he's like strangling him. Yeah, even when he like changes the Telogian, turns into like a boar. Like Klingon Targ, not really. Um, like <laughs> some crazy monster, Pike like doesn't give in to the illusion and yeah. continues strangling him. And then they get out of the cage. They're on the planet, and 
number one, puts her phaser on overload, like, right away, yeah. basically without any discussion. Like, they go down there, and they she's like, like read Boop. each other's minds. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, then the Chilosian is like, what? Like, why are you doing this? This is a bad idea. And Pike's like, Vina, get out of here. We're about to die right now because mm-hmm. we would rather die than be enslaved. And then I, yeah. then the, the other Telosians have been like reading really slowly the history of the human race. <laughs> and then you see it's like being uploaded to the cloud and the Telosians like brain <laughs> is downloading the information. And then he's like, OMG, yeah. you guys hate captivity. I'm so sorry. This is whole, this is not going to work. <laughs> like this is a huge misunderstanding. <laughs> yeah. I love that Una essentially like slavery is bad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's go. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think it was um, the I, fact that you have to be told that is hilarious. But I know, you know seriously, it. like these advanced race, like doesn't mm-hmm. even bat an eye on that. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I liked, I liked seeing too that Vina, because at first Pike's like, "Get out of here, you're gonna die," and Vina's like, "Actually, if this is so important, I should probably stay because if they have mm-hmm. one human in captivity, they're gonna try again with another species or with humans again." Um, this, yeah. of course, it was revealed that they don't want to use humans after all, but. Um, I, I thought that was kind of based off of Una's leadership, you know, like she made this bold move. Pike uh, totally agrees with her. Um, and that's how they're able to get out of the situation. So I love to see it. More power to her, honestly. That was cool. Um, and then at the end of the, at the end of the episode, just to leave us in a weird note, um, we have (laughs) once again, the yeoman's coming in to deliver her reports and Pike is freaking out he's like ah women on the bridge like get away from me yeah and she again she's like dude it's time for the report i'm just here for the delivery um and then she asks him who would have been eve like captain i'm just wondering and i love it because major barrett once again turns around and she's like yeoman (laughs) literally i love that she's like are you serious (laughs) you're asking this right now on the bridge and of course everyone's like what does that mean like dr bryce is like oh what do you mean adam and eve (laughs) I'm like, all right, guys, pack it up. End the episode. We're done. <laughs> like, please end this. And then Pike, Pike calls Bryce like a dirty doctor or something. I'm like, oh, oh no. I'm just like, and, and roll, the cur- roll the credits. We're out of here. Yeah. I just I just like that because I, I it's, it goes back to what you were saying about how women can be both. Like, you can be mm-hmm. the yeoman who's asking, ca- who's asking, you're a captain, like, hey, who would you have banged? And you can also <laughs> yeah. be... Um, like very serious number one who's like dude get it together (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) don't ask that (laughs) just so out of place incredible so strange so wild yeah okay well now this is part two this is very different we're going back to discovery and then we're going to end with strange new worlds so um, I just want to talk about that first scene in Oval for Charon. <laughs> Charon. How many freaking times are we going to talk about Oval for Charon? There's so <laughs> much to to pick out of this episode. Literally, we just watched mm-hmm. it last week for Discovery, LOL. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I only have to watch a minute of this. But um, mm-hmm. basically, Pike is talking to Michael about the whole Spock situation. You might remember that he was like accused of murdering some um, scientists um, because he was like in cat, he was being captured because he was like mentally insane, you know, just like all this classic Spock stuff. (laughs) And, um, and basically Pike updates Michael like, Oh, I just heard from a number one who's been like digging around for information. 
and she's like very efficient and says that she has a tendency to have people owe her favors which I thought was really Mm -hmm. interesting Mm -hmm. I think she she definitely appears to be someone who likes to like do stuff for people she's very much acts of service um but at the same time I think she's also quality time you know she wants to also just be with her people and I love that though that she's like I'm collecting favors like I'll do all this stuff for you guys but like you gotta pay me back like you gotta do something good for me too (laughs) and I'm like fair enough like you're busy being number one of the flagship well not right now the flagship because of the war but still very important search ship (laughs) research ship (laughs) who stood out the war which is science big thing (laughs) yeah yeah yeah, and um, this is our first introduction into Rebecca Romaine as uh, Una. And so, Ashlyn, I just want to ask, like, what did you feel, what were your feelings when you first saw this episode, seeing Una beam on to Discovery in that brief uh, meeting we got from her? I I didn't get much, but I liked what I saw. Mm-hmm. And I remember feeling, I think at that point, everyone knew that there was going to be a Strange New World spinoff, but we didn't know when because it was, yeah. um, uh, it was really early into season two though. Like. Yeah. And it had been announced for a while, but because like COVID pushed it back for so many years. So, um, I, I think I knew more was going to come, but I was also just freaking out that we were even getting to see her. Um, I only knew Rebecca Romaine from X-Men. She is, um, what's Mystique? Blue. Yeah, she's Mystique. (laughs) Yeah. That, that blows my mind. Like, I had no clue until I, like, looked her up and I was like, because I love X-Men and I love the character of Mystique. I've read a few of the comic books and, like, she just does her beautifully. Sci-fi goddess right here is who we have in Rebecca Romaine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so she's amazing. Um, I, yeah, I I think I felt like she did the character just from, again, from what I had seen. And we had known so little of Una anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. How did you feel, Rihanna? I just remember feeling so excited. Like, I loved how much she looked like Majel Barrett. Mm-hmm. It really felt like an ode to her. But I also remember being like, ooh, I need more right now, you know? So I was really, yeah, it was a great introduction um she gets to be more human you know like she gets to be more than just words on a page like I think Major Barrett did a phenomenal job in the cage and I'm not trying to knock her at all I just think the writing of course was not very good for her and didn't give her character any time to have any other personality traits other than non-emotional smart you know and so the fact that then we got an Una who loves cheeseburgers and fries and that goes with the shake. I love she I love that line. Like she is uh personable, she's really funny. She immediately admits that she broke Starfleet protocol to find out information about Spock, which shows how badass she is, but it's also like so unlike a first officer to just admit to their captain that they broke protocol. But I love that Pike's even like, you must have had a good reason. Like, you don't just break protocol for no reason. And like, please tell me why you felt the need to circumvent Starfleet on this. And I just love that because he knows she's valid in everything that she does. He just needs to know why she did it. And, but I love that because she's the type of person who will like, you know, uh, not ask questions at all she'll just what is it ask questions first no no punch first ask questions (laughs) later not punch uh 
Oh, oh, better to ask for permission than forgiveness. I got my idioms confused or whatever the hell. Yes. Um, she's very much a person to ask for forgiveness instead of permission. But she knows Pike, and she knows that that's, that's going to fly because it's for Spock. Oh my gosh, Rian, I just realized we made a grave error. We didn't, we didn't choose I know. our action I know, but, figure. But, oh, oh, I was thinking <laughs> our question. <laughs> but we won't do that till Strange New World, so. We didn't do our question either. No, but our question has to wait till we get to Strange New Worlds because we haven't talked about any of the other characters yet from the show. About who would be a good first officer? Yeah, we haven't talked about Strange New Worlds, like, at all, so that makes sense. Does it? Yeah, yeah. But we did forget to choose our action figures. <laughs> <laughs> I have a bag ready. Okay, okay, so here we go. We Neither of us have a Una action figure. <laughs> I know it's very no. niche. Yeah. Shocking. I, would, I mean, throw out, if anyone has a link to a Majel Barrett, um, number one action figure, I will swoop it from your hands. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Rihanna, here we go. We are going to dig in the bag, make sure everyone can hear our bag of action figures. And we're going to choose one to represent. I'm going to the bottom this time. Yeah, I'm going around. If it's not a Star Trek one, I'm, just, I'm answering <laughs> again. I'm sorry. I looked early. I felt it. It felt really weird. So oh, okay. I oh, I have a great one. Okay, Rihanna, who did you grab? Okay, I grabbed Nog. <gasps> wow! He's tiny and he can't move any of his limbs. Yeah, he's just like a figure. <laughs> Lily! Lily, Lily bit my him. cat, is sitting next to me and she just bit Nog's arm. So I think proved, that's a I proof. It was I a got, love fight. I got Dax! <gasps> Jadzia! Yeah, I got Jadzia. To be clear, I don't think either of us have an Ezri, but... <laughs> no. Or a uh, Adira. Although she's not a Dax, but I'm like... <laughs> And Adira True is all named Dax. <laughs> Every True. Oh my god, I lost my mind. Or I should say maybe I don't have a Joran. <laughs> a Joran, yeah. Where's my Tobian or whatever, Tobin? Um, where's my, um, what's the old man? What's his name? Uh, Curzon. Where's my Curzon action figure? Um, yes, I have Jadzia. So we have Deep Space Nine out here. We have very, yeah, again. very powerful officers representing Una for this episode. Yeah, this is the second week in a row that we've pulled all Deep Space Nine action figures, so wow, we must have a lot of them. I think it says more about us. <laughs> yeah, and the reason I haven't pulled out any of any Spocks is because I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight of them on my Spock shrine, so they don't go in the action figure tote bag. <laughs> yeah, so they're wondering. ruled out. And I have four Picards and have yet to choose any of them, so I don't know what's going on with me. What? They're all, they're all, all in the bag? No, one's in my purse, actually. Okay, I figured there'd be at least one Picard in your purse or at your work, so... I have two McCoys at work, if you can believe it. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, so anyway, um, yes, we will get to our question. Just wait till we hit the Strange New World section. Because we could talk about disco, but we did already, so. Yeah, I think this is a good call. Wait till we get to the actual. Okay, anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, Rihanna, so I was going to say that uh, Pike is a captain you can kind of do sketchy stuff with. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and with he... Or, like, just around. <laughs> yeah, because he's, it's not like he's laid back with the rules, because he's not, but he has so much implicit trust in his crew. Yeah. He kind of reminds me of Chakotay. Is that bad? I they everyone reminds me of Chakotay. Yeah. <laughs> Ashlyn's got Voyager brain rot, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> I just, like, literally wrote 30,000 word fan fiction um hell yeah i just finished the other day it took like three weeks to write that's amazing anyway yeah. um so i'm i'm a little like voyager broken i think yeah. it's perfect because prodigy's coming out in like two weeks so yeah whenever lower decks ends 
Oh, God. Ah, I don't want it to end. Okay, anyway. Um, So I I think that so far we have not seen that uh, Pike is... Uh, it, that this is a problem for Pike, that he trusts his no. people so much because he's just so genuine and just who he is and very open that mm-hmm. he invites that same type of openness with everybody else. And so Una's like, yeah, I like broke some regulations, but it's for our homie Spock and everyone loves Spock. Yeah, and everyone knows Spock didn't murder anyone unless he was really not of sound mind. Yeah, I think also yeah. because we've seen that Pike feels badly that he's been on the back or he was not involved in the war. I think everyone on the Enterprise feels that way. So if they have to get their hands kind of dirty for something, it's okay. Because they they missed to, they didn't get to do that in the war, you know? Yeah, it seems like Una is itching for some action. I agree. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I love it. Great loyalty to Spock. Also, just like, don't judge people on what they eat. Like, no. no. That was dumb. Dumb. It goes with a shake, actually, so... <laughs> yeah. Let her eat... Let women eat fries at a shake and a burger without asking them like, if you're going to get a healthier liquid option. Stop judging, bro. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Pike's a little judgy in every ver- in every, wor- in every timeline, I guess. Oh my gosh. Um, okay, so let's move on to Such Sweet Crying. Um, <laughs> it's the finale of Part season two. two. I Man, I, I didn't even watch this full episode and I still cried because yeah. it's such an emotional episode and it's so well done and it just reminds me that season two of Discovery is just up there as one of the best Star Trek seasons that we have. So mwah, yeah. thank you everybody for season two. Um, I love Una in this episode. I think one of my favorite moments is when she's helping with the torpedo and just everything that we see that she does on Enterprise to help get Discovery and Michael into the future. She's mm-hmm. critical. She's so important into making all of this happen. It's truly incredible. I think, agreed, One, it's definitely seeing uh, Admiral Cornwell and Una Wall? work together. Cornwall? Oh, sorry. Admiral. I don't think it's well. I think you're right. Corn. Corn dead. Sorry. No, why would you say that? <laughs> sorry. <with> you? <laughs> it's corn. It's well. Cornwell? Admiral Corn! <laughs> She's not well, well at all. <laughs> she doesn't have any juice. She's lost the juice. <laughs> okay, anyway. Um, but yeah, so this scene where Admiral Cornwell and and number one go in, like you said, to do the torpedo thing. I love that instantly, number one immediately just like, it's like, okay, you're with me. Let's go. Boom. Like they just go together. They volunteer themselves. No one else did. No one else is like, we don't want to go up to that tor- un- undetonated torpedo launched in Enterprise's hull. Like, I'm good. And so I love that it's Una and Cornwell to just go up there and get stuff done, you know? And this, of course, comes to the price of Cornwell's life. But I just think the determination and just assuredness you have to have for yourself to just go up to an undetonated torpedo boldly like that is really awesome. Yes, totally agree. I also love seeing two women work on the torpedo because it's mm-hmm. been universally like male engineers except Balana. Mm-hmm. And even though they True. aren't even engineers, like they both are so well versed in like everything on the ship that they It reminds me of Janeway. Like they can do anything on the ship and I know. be yeah. like proficient or better at it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely Janeway vibes. 
Um, I do wonder if there's some kind of protocol that like if a life-threatening torpedo gets lodged in, you have to send all the senior officers to fix it because after like at, at one point Una leaves and then Pike comes. <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> and and I'm like, uh, uh, Pike, like uh, you're the captain. the captain. I mean, the thing is, like, he knows his future. He knows he doesn't go out this way, so he feels kind of like, well, might as well go <laughs> try to help. But like, yeah. also, Cornwall's an admiral. You know, <laughs> like mm-hmm. all of these high-ranking people are helping with Ashley's like, torpedo. go set a <laughs> I'm sorry, but I am kind of like that. But also, maybe they're not, like, I think it's probably the people who have the most technical knowledge, and that's why they're there. I just couldn't believe that out of anyone to replace Una, it's not, like, the engineer on Enterprise. It's Pike! (laughs) Yeah, that is very true. That was shocking. What's happening? Because we we don't have insight into who the engineer is. They say, like, Chief Lufay or something. In the short track, it was, like like, a British person. Yeah, I mean, that was earlier on, but yeah, yeah and then even in the, yeah, so they keep changing chiefs, which, cry. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I, I'm not over it, um, but yeah, so th- that was really interesting. Very good point, Ashlyn. I think also they wanted to have, like, a heartfelt goodbye for Cornwell, and they needed Pike there, I guess, but it seems, well, seems weird. It, yeah, it's true. Someone who knew her well. Um, I did think that their farewell between each other, like, um... Cornwell. Yes, that arm grab is like oh. my very favorite thing. Yes, I was like, oh, oh man, because Cornwell knows she's like, hey, goodbye. <laughs> like, yeah. Oh god, yeah, and truly. then Rebecca Romaine plays that moment really well, where she they like lock eyes, and she's like, thank you, you know, like yeah, respect, mad respect right here. Oof. Yeah, and again, playing into uh, the wonderful role that Majel created and started out with, with still being very composed and like she's not going to have an emotional tearful scene with Cornwell it's just that like you know that like arm grab solidarity there it is arm (laughs) grab grab. solidarity (laughs) (laughs) arm grab solidarity (laughs) I don't know (laughs) that's just what the words came out of my mouth I love it I guess I love it (laughs) um yeah, just the coolest. I love this scene. I do love when Una and Detmer are at the helm. Makes me think that Una might be a pilot because, like, that scene where it splits the screen in half and shows Una and Detmer, and Una's like, please, English, like, for the love of God, I, just for the layman, tell me what to do. Maybe she's not the pilot, actually, if she needs Detmer to speak in layman's term, but it's still just so cool to see women at the helm, and especially, like, your first officer is also on the helm, also helping with the torpedo also everywhere all at once like she's just truly magnificent and she is capable of doing everything yeah i love her and also at the very end um we've kind of been maintaining this whole thing like what's her name what what what, what's her (laughs) what's her name and then at the end when discovery makes it through michael goes through love seeing Leyland die any chance i can that was great um then (laughs) i love love when she goes when when, uh uh, giorgio when non yeah and giorgio's like after we get this door open you want to uh you want to help me like end leland or something and (laughs) non just turns around and goes yum yum (laughs) i'm like yes beautiful anyway um but so then they're going at the very end and starfleet's like briefing them they're briefing or they're yeah they're they're briefing starfleet (laughs) and we have this like nameless admiral i assume like questioning all of them and they ask for number one's name and she's like it's number one she's just still refuses to give it (laughs) 
Also, this is a spoiler. If you have not seen episode five of Lower Decks, just like skip for a second. I high key think that that Admiral, wait, no, it couldn't possibly happen, but maybe that Admiral <laughs> is in charge of messing with Rutherford's mind. I'm just because we didn't see his Ooh. eyes. Yeah. <laughs> maybe during the crossover, we're going to find out. <gasps> Stop. That would be epic. The nameless admiral oh messing with Rutherford. Mm. Anyway. Ashlyn, I like your really, like, crack theories. <laughs> this is really good. <laughs> Just random. Out of pocket. <laughs> Any random admiral from now on, Ashlyn's going to be like, maybe they messed with Rutherford. <laughs> um, I'm thinking it was definitely, what's his name? <laughs> you know who yes. I'm talking about. Jellico. Yes! <laughs> It could be. It's around the right era. That's what I'm saying. I mean, he's like in his walker and he's like <laughs> messing with Jordy's mind. I mean, Jordy, my God, with Rutherford's mind. Yeah. And Jordy's Pfizer. Anyway. Okay, now it is time for Strange New Worlds. And Rihanna, I have a hot and spicy question for you. Yes. I channeled my inner Shatner for that for some reason. <laughs> um, Rihanna. <laughs> Rihanna, if you could choose anyone. And thanks, everyone, for hanging in there with us. This episode is just like a la kazam, you know? <laughs> just going, going where it takes us. So, Rihanna, if you could choose anyone from Strange New Worlds to be a first officer besides Una, who would it be? You're really putting me in a tough position, even though we created this question together. I'm putting it on you. Like, hey, Ashlyn, how dare you? Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> um, so... Uh, I almost feel like I'm betraying myself by saying this, like betraying who I am as a person, but it's just, just hear me out. So I'm going to say Lon and I'm going to say her for a few reasons. And first of all, I just have to caveat. I know I'm not saying Spock. I don't think this version of Spock is ready to be first officer to Pike. I think that he's perfect where he is as first officer to Kirk in that era. He needs some growing. Everyone needs to be a little more, Spock friendly before we get him as first officer, in my opinion. Um, that's why I did not choose him. But I think that La'an, granted, you know, I'm thinking of La'an as she's going through more therapy. Like, she's definitely going to need to do a little bit more self-healing before she can, like, uh, start managing, you know, <laughs> large numbers of the crew. But we got to see her be first officer in the pilot. We have La'an actually taking the number one position while Una has been captured. And so this is mostly my basis for this argument is that I think she showed a lot of potential for the kind of first officer that Pike needs. Pike is, like we said, pretty rulesy, but he trusts his people, but he needs someone who can kind of fly off the handle, who can kind of think of a harebrained half-assed solution, who can be crafty because Pike's not crafty. I'm not, that's not like a, a word I would attribute <laughs> to him. You know, he's not going to like fake a broken ankle so that someone can help him, you know, like Laon did. So he's not going to play, um, if he's like captured in a cell, he's not playing get help, essentially. <laughs> no, he's definitely not. <laughs> he's the one getting tossed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, I hate this game. We yeah. not play Get Help again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and Una's tossative. Yeah, um, that's the dynamic I'm going for. You know, is sort of like chaos element, but like pin down chaos, like kind of like Una is. You know, um, I'm thinking similar energy. And I think Laon, of course, is really perfect as chief of security, and she should stay in that position. But 
there's others to fill that role. And I think that only a few in the crew that we've seen so far that can fill a first officer role as well as Una does. No one does it as well as Una in this show so far. But I think La'an gave us an insight into what she could be as a first officer. And I think she did a really great job. Like, they had to do a whole undercover thing. They had to, like, not break the prime directive, you know. And she was the one actually sticking to it. Pike's out here talking about... um, the wormhole like with everybody in the elevator oh my God. like he has no qualms about like security breaches or like you know breaking i mean he even at one point he's like ah oh, screw it he breaks the prime directive you know so so that's i guess when pike is his sort of flies off his own handle but then laon is a good counterbalance in that situation of being more of a stickler to the rules until like the rules are dumb you know and then she'll break them so it's kind of cool and i think that they had a really cool dynamic and um yeah, that's my thesis. Ashley, wow. I want to hear yours. So, I mean, for the most part, I really agree with you. I think La'an has too much PTSD that she has not unpacked. Yeah. And I know you said, like, when she's going through therapy. But yeah. I, I think I think she's kind of similar to Spock, where she's not quite ready to be number one yet. Um, which makes my... I mean, I'm literally looking at the cast list right now, and I'm like, <laughs> who could I possibly choose who's not La'an? I agree with you, Spock's not ready. I would say he's probably the next best choice, but you yes, know me definitely. out here. I go crazy during this question. <laughs> um, so I'm going to say that Samuel Kirk would be a wonderful first oh officer. My God, Sam! <laughs> Sam! <laughs> okay. Please give me more information, Ashlyn. Okay, so we lo- we know little to nothing about Sam. Um, <laughs> but what we do know is he comes from a strong family line. <laughs> and he has <laughs> an amazing mustache. And mm-hmm. he seems pretty calm. And pretty, like, actually play by the rules. Why are you giving me this face? Rihanna's like... I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to make a face. <laughs> I have... Uh- <laughs> You just said he's pretty calm, and then I thought about the Gorn episode, but that's fine. <laughs> oh, I forgot about the Gorn episode. Hmm. Well, I'm sticking to my it's crazy it's answer. Fine. Please it's, keep going. I want to hear fine. it. It's yeah. fine. It's fine. I just think that he is, like, a different type of, um, like, crazy than Pike is. And totally. Pike is still really, like, fatherly, but Sam is like, got the youth and the energy, and he's gonna... <laughs> I feel like, like he'd be very organized... You know, so it's a very weak argument, but I'm going with Sam Kirk. I like that. And honestly, we you're right. We've had barely any time with, with Sam to actually know how he would be as like, you know, a first officer. But I do like the idea of him and Pike doing that together because they're also like really good friends. So they they already have that chemistry that a first officer and a captain need. So I'm like saying, I'm saying. Yeah, he just needs to be a little nicer to Spock and then I'll like him better. Just a little. <laughs> um so on that note ashlyn shall we finally get into the strange new worlds portion of this podcast which is hilarious because this is a strange new worlds episode yes (laughs) but is it because we're just starting to talk about we're just starting more than an hour in (laughs) so let's do ghosts of illyria this is a una episode this whole thing is basically about her um we get to see the crew at a ghost town Illyrian planet and they're trying to figure out basically like the eternal mystery of where the Illyrians went and what's happening with them um Mm -hmm. and I think the fact Pike even mentions it at the beginning of the episode that everybody's a little bit on edge because this is an illegal topic illegal species and um it's just kind of a like strange mission for everyone like they're not used to this type of thing yeah um 
That's so true. And I think it's so awkward. Like I've only seen this episode twice now and second time was for the pod. And so it's really funny because now, of course, I know she's Illyrian. I know about everything that's going to transpire. So watching the beginning of this episode and hearing her do her log was so uncomfortable. I was like, this would just be so hard to just like, especially interacting with an Illyrian planet and like being very close to a part of yourself that you can't even show anyone. And it just like, oh my God, it it's just awkward hearing her talk about the Illyrians because she's clearly trying to hold back her irritation. She has a Starfleet for not allowing Illyrians in, but also trying to stay neutral for the log, you know? I think that she does it really well, though. And again, way to go, Rebecca, for just being, like, incredible with these subtle moments of acting. You know, even in her voice, you can hear sort of her hesitations of, like, Starfleet has outlawed these people because they, you know she's kind of like eh. trying to get through this log is, is painful to hear yes and i had never noticed this the first time around but this is my second time seeing this episode knowing that she's an illyrian and it's very mm-hmm. obvious that she's struggling with it so yeah yeah it definitely makes the rewatch so cool. more interesting to see from that perspective Agreed, yeah. And can I just say that I love that we're in an era now that we're rewatching Strange New Worlds for the pod. Like, bless. I'm it's so happy glorious. I'm so happy. Um, yeah. I thought that, because of course, as usual, Pike and Spock get trapped down on the planet. <laughs> There's an ion storm, so they can't communicate. You know how it goes. Of course. And uh, I mean, this is Star Trek. This is literally Star Trek. Yeah. yeah. It's not a real day in Starfleet until comms get blocked. Exactly. As Mariner says. As Mariner so. says, yes. And uh, I thought when she, when Una has command of the bridge, she does a great job. She just says, okay, people, we're just going to act like everything's normal, except we're going to try to get in contact with Pike and everybody when we can. Um, She's not freaking out at all. She's very calm. And it honestly doesn't really feel like Pike's in danger at all because she has such a, like, natural presence on the bridge. Yeah, and something I noticed, too, throughout this entire episode, even though we're dealing with a literal contagion and a lockdown and everything later on, I never feel, like, so worried, you know? And I think exactly what you said about Pike being down, uh, I never feel worried that, like, everyone's gonna die or that, like, we're gonna lose a couple people or something because Una remains so steady and she remains such a pillar of strength and just, like, calmness that I think it even eases me as the audience. Yes. Yeah, I totally agree. And I also love that despite her, like, outward calm, she's still doing a lot of research because I mean she finds like once the crew comes back and everybody starts to have this like reaction to light and they're all trying to like Mm -hmm. get the light as close to them as possible she sees Mm -hmm. her body like combat the light at the moment and then you can see her like essentially googling in the database the Illyrians and their research on diseases and everything she's still investigating like heavily trying to figure this out with urgency and yet when she's talking to Ambega and Chapel and everybody else it's very like okay yeah like let's see what we can do let's try to calmly talk hammer down from beaming a star onto the ship you know like a part of the core <laughs> God. yeah that was insane yeah yeah even during that situation or there's a couple crises like that during it and none of us can tell we know as audience that she's internally freaking out but that's a skill you know to be able to like compartmentalize in that way and it's a skill that first officers really need and she has it it's what she told Spock to do sort of true yeah compartmentalize absolutely. yep yeah. Um, so let's talk a little bit about her lying to Membenga the first time and just like throughout about her uh, Illyrian status, as well as just like in general lying on report on like 
medical reports, you know, because this is such a huge issue, like in general. Your doctor, like I think if she had gone to Menbenga and said, hey, I'm Illyrian, you're my doctor, you can't tell anyone, but now you have this information so that if I am injured, you know that I'm Illyrian, <laughs> first of all, which is huge. And second of all, like, my maybe my blood can do cool stuff. Like, who knows, you know? But I think that, like, there's got to be some clause, even if you're, like, breaking all of Starfleet's protocols, that your doctor shouldn't be able to tell anyone. And so I just think, like, maybe she... It, I, I know where it comes from and I know it comes from a place of like when you have your whole life you grew up your whole life having people hate you then you're not going to be very open about who you are you're not going to want to tell people about yourself but I just think this is such an uh, oversight for her because it really could have streamlined a lot of this process in this episode and helped them figure out a solution earlier plus just like for her health you know it's like it's like Spock just going in and not telling McCoy that he was half human or something. Like, that would be insane, you know, because then he could die on a mission and they wouldn't know why. And so uh, I just think that this is, like, a too common thing that people will, like, lie to their doctors because they're worried about whatever consequences. Um, and that just sucks, you know? Like, I feel like your doctor should be someone that you trust implicitly. I think in real life, Rihanna, that's some good advice. I think yeah. in this situation, I have a hunch that the Illyrian ban is so intense that Mbega would be complicit if he didn't report it. Because there, I feel like I can't think of off the top of my head, but I'm pretty sure there are instances where like HIPAA or like doctor patient confidentiality doesn't apply sometimes in really True. extreme circumstances because mm -hmm. the captain does technically like outrank the doctor and mm -hmm. the doctor in some circumstances does outrank the captain, but I don't know. I just would not be surprised at all if that was a clause where she had to tell if she told them Benga and he didn't report it, he also could be in the position to be kicked out of Starfleet. Um, Very good point. Yeah. I don't know, but and she, and now that I'm hearing this, now you're saying this, it makes way more sense she wouldn't tell also to protect Mbenga. You know, I think that yeah. she's, like, selfless to a fault almost, to, like, a dangerous fault, like a lot of Starfleet officers can be. And I think that that probably also gets in her way a little bit of, like, oh, I'm trying to protect everyone, therefore could actually end up harming myself in the process. Yeah, and that's why she waits until the very, very last minute, until everyone else is passed out for her mm -hmm. to tell chapel and Mbega like okay actually I can help you and they also like they they know each other they trust each other enough that she can guess probably they're not going to care yeah. um the only person who really cares is La'an because she overhears this conversation because it was not strong enough to put her out the mm. um hypo <laughs> that Mbega gave her and um even though she's been like filled with light rage um, yeah. <laughs> she still like calls Una, um, like a freak, um, yeah, you know, like really a bunch bad. of terrible names that she was called because her last name is Noonien Singh. So she's related to Khan and all of the genetically altered people. Um, all of the Brett Spiner kids. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. All those augments. <laughs> all those augments. And, um, so she's really the only one who cares. I, and I love the scene with Pike at the end when he does, um, when they do have this conversation because, he doesn't even bat an eye. He says, I welcome them to try to remove you from the ship because I have, we'll have a lot to say about it. I know Rihanna, <laughs> this is the sketchy part that we talked about an hour ago and I do agree. So go say your piece. 
Well, I was laughing first because uh, I rewatched this with my girlfriend, and we've we've both seen all of Strange New Worlds, but she was just chilling uh, next to me, and at that part when he's like, "Yeah, like just let them try," essentially, and she was like, "Beat that didn't work out." Yeah, <laughs> like, ah! it doesn't work out. I think it Mike will. Like he was blindsided; he did not know this was even happening. I think it will work. Like we're of course referencing the finale of Strange New Worlds, um, yeah. where she's taken away without any yeah. like court martial. Um, I think y'all are gonna laugh when you when you hear this episode and we're like well into season two or whatever and, and Un is all. just like chilling yeah. <laughs> yeah but it, it I, yeah I was thinking that too it was funny like oh he didn't actually stop anything from happening but it's, it's fine no. <laughs> um, but yeah so yeah let's get into this a little bit um Pike so Pike I, I love this I love that he doesn't bat an eye that he's sort of like Una tries to resign and he's Pike doesn't let her. She, he's like, no, I'm not going to let you resign from this. Uh, I mean, think about losing Una Chen Riley as a first officer. So even just a captain-wise, like, he does not want to lose her. But also as a friend, like, their friendship chemistry is remarkable. It's I amazing. Think Mount and Romaine do such a good job at, like, playing off each other in all of these different scenes. I love every single dinner scene they're in together. Like, even it doesn't feel like it has to be sexual for it to be electric, you know? Not and I at really all. Like that totally about, agree. Yes. Yeah. And so, so this conversation feels still really natural, even though it's about something super awkward and like really tough for Una to deal with. But it's just, oh, it's the, so I was all, I was, you know, very frustrated by the line where he essentially says, you're one of the good ones, where he's essentially like, oh, well, you did a great job today. You saved the day. Um, so this proves all Illyrians aren't, like, bad and just trying to genetically manipulate their genes or whatever. And it's like, okay, but, and literally Brianna, she turns to me, she's like, yeah, and what if she hadn't saved the day? You know, what then? You know, and I'm like, exactly. Like, this is the thing that, uh, a, a huge fault in Pike. And it's kind of cool that they transferred this kind of, like, character trait Naivism, onto it, but it's yeah. awful. Mm-hmm. You know, at the same time that they brought that into Strange New Worlds because, like, the way he was talking to her about that, like, oh, wow, good job. You saved the day, so you're good, you know? It just, it it really is like, but when does that other shoe drop? When do you start to see her as evil if she does something bad, you know? And, um, and this is what, but I think, honestly, the thing that almost pissed me off more than that, because I kind of expected it from Pike from our woman on the bridge conversation mm-hmm. earlier, was the fact that he asked her why hide it. Like, mm-hmm. it without and like you said it's the naivety it's the sort of unfortunate uh like privilege privilege of being a white cis male who is in a position of power even in this era of starfleet um why hide it is like a ridiculous question to ask it's outlawed by the federation there's a huge amount of stigma that comes with it she probably has a lot of internalized hatred for herself because of this. I'm just getting, like, a lot of queer energy from this conversation that they're having. Like, a lot of, uh, like, LGBTQ... It sort of felt like she was coming out to him in, like, at least from my perspective. It really, like, her nervousness to tell him, the way she's, like, admitting it like it's this horrible thing to be guilty of shows she has a lot of that internalized um, hatred for Illyrians um, or, or just fear of being outed as one. Um, fear of being found out and so yeah just when he was like why hide it I'm like what a ridiculous question to ask her like actually step into her shoes and think about the situation you know and and I think just the way she played it was so great Rebecca um, does such a good job we're we're talking about her subtleties in these episodes 
it's true to in this scene particularly because there is a difference coming out you know like I think when you're telling someone about your actual self that they don't know about there's always that fear that they're not going to accept it even if they're your best friend or your family member or someone who you've literally spent your entire life with and for Una and Pike they've spent so much time together we've seen years at this point of friendship and chemistry her hesitance to tell him but her like ability to is so amazing so awesome that she was able to tell him and that he accepted her in that way even with that weird little caveat that he had for her it's still something like we were talking about it's still a step in the right direction to see like Illyrians as not villains you know and not the next con to come along and I I think that it's it's very tough though this conversation is just it makes me kind of ill honestly like it's really great but it's also so difficult to watch I I understand that and thank you for everything you said I think like exactly what she was worried about about Pike not accepting her is kind of what happened with La'an and they have that check-in scene at the end where Una's like um are we still friends like can we still be together and eventually you know La'an's like yeah it's okay but I still have a lot of like hatred you know like I mean she doesn't say it she doesn't say it like that but um I think she's she's able to come around and say well I do have like I did join Starfleet because of you and I do eat strawberries as my comfort food because of you um and so I think like they're still, she's still able to find some common ground, but she still has a lot of anger um, mm-hmm. towards Una. I, and then back to Pike, um, I, or, and then just back to like the why hide it question that, that you t- spoke on. Um, I, I agree. It's just a ridiculous question because when something is that stigmatized and that serious, it doesn't matter how high up ranked you are. Like Una could totally. be Ambassador Una and then she could be canceled, you know? Like yes. she could just like fall right out of Starfleet. It's, and I think even if Pike was an Illyrian, like someone who's the most decorated captain in all of Starfleet and she's the most decorated first officer or maybe, mm-hmm. I don't think Pike's as most decorated, but Pike's is best first officer in the fleet. Um, so even with this status, she is not immune because of being an Illyrian. And I know Pike is coming off of his like literal high horse named Tango, um, (laughs) because he just was down on the planet with all the like ghostly, um, like light Illyrians and read Mm -hmm. all about their culture. Spark, Spock was arming them with knowledge. Um, and he says like Illyrians are seriously misunderstood, Una's been explaining this the whole time. They genetically augment themselves so they can, like, connect better with nature. Mm-hmm. It's totally different than what occurred on Earth. But, um, yeah, I just think you have to stop and take a second and think about somebody else's perspective before asking that kind of question because Una couldn't even tell her best friend, La'an, that she was yeah. Illyrian. Why do you think she was hiding it? Like, she wouldn't be, even if she had the best scores anyone has ever seen, she could never even pass the entrance exam of Starfleet like the seven of nine narrative yeah just because she's borg or even the synth ban it reminded me of as well like it's a blanket ban on an entire group of people based on an incident of like mass murder you know (laughs) like it's still horrible and people died but that was the past and it has no relation or or of effect or or no correlation with the other illyrians or anything it's just so silly that like Starfleet is still so very painfully human in this way that they're going to make these snap judgments these leap to these assumptions about a whole group of people who aren't even 
like augments soon's augments you know they're just they're not even completely different human. augments yeah they're not even human it, it, it does kind of remind me of like the backlash that so many muslim people received after 9-11 because exactly if you had any type of like middle eastern heritage even if you like weren't muslim you were extremely um you know got a lot of hate got like so ostracized, many ostracized yeah. like so many things in the news about like people getting arrested and targeted for crimes and it, i mean it, this is the same it, with japanese internment like it, it's it the persists. same story yeah all over again yeah and this is of course what trek is ty- trying to tell us and why we're so angry about it is because we've seen it in our own history and um i love una's line of when will it just be and when will it be enough to just be illyrian yes yeah exactly like when do i why would i have to excel and be perfect and save a bunch of lives for it to be okay why why can't i just be me and that's okay you know yep. and that's that's the whole thing yep yeah so oh. hopefully season two that's my hope <laughs> hopefully we start to break those barriers down mm-hmm. um all right rihanna let's go to spock let's finish up this podcast on a lighter note this is a fun one. I, th- I would say it's the second biggest one of Strange New Worlds that we get Probably, with Una. Yeah. Um, this, mm-hmm. of course, is hijinks. <laughs> I yes. love this episode. This is where Spock and Tapring switch bodies. We're not going to talk about that part, but it's just amazing. Sad. I love this whole thing he's doing with Chapel. Um, but in the kind of B plot, everyone else is on shore leave, having time off, and Una and La'an get, are staying on the ship. And yes. they, after everyone's left, they have, they cut, ca- they catch two ensigns. I think it's ensigns, right? Not mm-hmm. cadets. They catch two ensigns breaking into a part of the ship they're not supposed to be in because they're trying to sign the Scorch. And so they each are separately interrogated. La'an is bad cop or bad interrogator. Yeah. Um, and Una is the good interrogator. So sweet and nice. And they both get out of them that they were trying to do Enterprise Bingo. And yes. what happens for the rest of the episode does kind of feel like a short trek to me, you know, where totally. they're just trying to get Enterprise Bingo, La'an, and Una together while everyone else is on shore leave. Yes. Oh, my gosh. And probably people are wondering, like, what does this have to do about first officers, you know, but this is Una as a total, you know, I think that that's what I really like about this episode is that we we just spoke of a really serious Una episode where she's running the ship. She's like... Literally, Brianna said, my girlfriend, she said, Luna's putting out fires all around. You know, yes. like she's truly yes. doing everything in this episode. And then we get to Spock and Muck where she just gets to have fun and she gets to be a different side of herself. And I am glad to see that her and Laon are getting on again and that they're they're better, you know, yeah. uh, from the last episode we just discussed. And um, also, let I, before we get into the hijinks of the bingo itself, we should talk about where fun goes to die because yes. that is Una's nickname. Yes. What? <laughs> first of all, you have a nickname for your very intimidating first officer, which is a very rude nickname. I bet it was Kyle. I'm sure he came up um, with that. Kyle's so mean. <laughs> He's probably the one who started that because he looked so nervous when she was like, what was that? What? What nickname? <laughs> Have you heard of this incident? And he's like, no, no, of course not. Um, yeah, where fun goes to die. Sheesh. Yeah, so this, I think, is a remnant of what, like, of the character that they're taking from the cage who mm-hmm. was described as a computer and very cold and emotionless. And I... I, I'm just sad for her, you know, because I we know that she's awesome and she can be really funny. But also, I think it's it, it's both. Like, obviously, I feel bad for her and people shouldn't be, like, saying those kind of cruel nicknames. But also, like, respect, too. Like, nobody yeah. messes with Una. And I kind of, 
like want that persona, but I just, that's not who I am. Like, <laughs> like at all. But I, I think it would be kind of badass to like walk around and everyone's like, ah, like, ah, yeah. Fun's dying. Yeah. Fun's funeral. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, and I love the conversation that La'an and Una have about this because La'an asks like, why is it bothering you? You know, that this is your nickname. It seems like stuff like that just rolls off of you and um she's like it's not even that it bothers me it's just I feel out of touch with my crew Mm -hmm. and um and she's like what am I just not approachable is it because of my rank and and Lon's like no it's nothing to do with rank they are just intimidated by you like or she said she says that uh you terrify people (laughs) and I'm like dang you know like that really shows her like stance and stature and just like the way that she commands and the way that she is first officer is intimidating is terrifying to especially to the people playing bingo and the people the cadets and the ensigns they said ensign level or lower so <laughs> a lot of junior grade officers play in this game i, guess. I know a lot well so rihanna <laughs> this makes me think about all of the many like tens of first officer and um captain relationships that we have talked about like we've talked this is our last episode we've gone through everybody at this point and mm-hmm. I, we've talked a lot that it's essential for a first officer to be approachable, to be someone who you can go to and say, look, I need to switch my quarters because my roommate is like doing drugs or something, you know, <laughs> like totally. you need yeah. to be able to go to them and feel safe that you're going to be respected and going to be heard and, uh, and maybe disciplined if you're doing something wrong. Um, Riker is my like shining first officer example of someone who's extremely approachable, but his captain is Picard. And so you have to think yeah. about who, who's to completely unapproachable. And you think about Una, her, yeah, she's completely unapproachable, <laughs> but her captain is Pike. <laughs> the most approachable man of the fleet, maybe. Like, I yeah. think the most approachable captain, maybe Janeway is the second yeah. or first, like, yeah, Pike, you literally, you can have dinner with Pike. And he's like, oh, I'm yeah. your dad, you know, like, come, totally. come to me for anything. And oh, so yeah. I I do wonder, like, how those interactions go down. You know, like, if Una does have um, relationships with maybe some of the, like, bridge crew besides La'an. Um, and mm-hmm. and I hope I hope she does. You know, I hope eventually yeah. she can get to a point where she feels comfortable if she wants to do that. If she just mm-hmm. wants to be, you know like not have that type of relationship with the crew that's fine but I think that them playing Enterprise Bingo does help to break down those walls a little bit um Mm -hmm. especially when you see during the interrogation that she's being so sweet to the ensign and she's she's like it's fine but then she disciplines them well you know and Mm -hmm. she sends them right to Kyle mean old Kyle (laughs) literally they she she gave them she revoked their shore leave and had them micro clean the turbo lift or the uh, transporter room with Kyle. Like, well, that sounds like a nightmare. <laughs> That's like toothbrush on the transporter. Wasn't that a punishment for someone else too? Toothbrush on the transporter, probably. I, I don't remember. Mae- maybe I made that up. I feel like there, <laughs> that's happened before. Like, maybe not Wesley or like his friend oh. or someone had to clean the tran. Maybe it was Lower Decks. Honestly, it was probably Honestly, Lower Decks. Oh well, Mariner got all the worst jobs, so that <laughs> maybe right. it was Mariner. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah. Well, and Ashlyn, I love too that. 
you know, you're talking about Una being all nice to the, because she had, she got the good interrogator role. I love that both of them, though, at the same time, tried to get the bad cop role. Like, that was so funny. I love that both of them, well, that's where their inclination is like, if we're going to be talking, if we're going to be disciplining some ensigns, it's, we're going to be bad cop. But so I like to see that Una then had to switch and be like, you want some coffee? Like, let's talk about it. That was cool. You know, that she had to sort of maybe put herself in a different position that was less comfortable but still sort of fun because she's still getting to discipline, which is probably what she loves most. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Oh man, that was so cool. And um, yeah, so, so they go on, they do a lot of the bingo stuff and they're finding that they're just quote, not feeling it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, this is all about breaking rules. Why would like, why would we want to break rules that we set, you know, as a bridge officer, like it makes sense, you know, why only cadets and lower or why only incense and lower play this game is because, you know, after that, you start to make the rules yourself or start to have to enforce them more (laughs) rather than, like, break them. And so I think that it makes sense that, you know, not everyone's playing Enterprise Bingo. Um, But I really like that then they decided, instead of just, like, ah, screw it, let's just stop and not finish this bingo, let's do it in our own way that's going to be a little more, uh, like that's got to break some rules, you know, because like we talked about earlier, La'an is someone who will break the rules when necessary. And so is Una. Like we talked about both these traits in them and that's what makes them also really great friends and really fun to watch together because they both know when to toe that line. And that's so fun to watch. Totally agree. And I do love that moment at the very end when they are signing the scourge, they see the ship that in the background, (laughs) Pike and to bring in Spock's body and we have who else um the admiral is here like yeah. <laughs> everyone yeah. yeah everyone's like working very hard to convince the species to join the federation they have a beautiful ship and it flies away and um I almost said to Anna Lana and um Laan and Una are watching it go away and they really feel like ah oh, like this is really beautiful you know like yeah. we're signing the scorch and this is a really memorable and bonding moment for us also, wouldn't you lose your mind if, like, say you're the next cadet to sign the Scorch and you see number one signature on there? Like, that has got to be the most epic thing. So I bet those people who have, or I, I assume probably then people of the future, maybe they'll think, oh, maybe she's more approachable than I thought. Like, maybe I can go to her for stuff if we saw her name on the Scorch. You know, like, that's kind of a different respect level. I'm calling it right now. You heard it here. This is my Ashlyn was right. My, as, like, <laughs> you know, on Strange New Pod, they have a giraffe was right shirt. Um, yeah. I think that some Lorodex people are going to sign the Scorch. I'm saying it right now. Oh, Ashlyn, you've got to be right. That's That sounds correct. I'm saying it now. Anyway. I'm, I'm already <laughs> mentally making the Ashlyn was right t-shirt okay, right now. Cool. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, get ready to put it on. <laughs> yeah. We see that crossover. <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's that would be amazing. Um, but yeah, I'm so glad this episode exists. I'm really glad we got exactly what we were complaining about not getting in the cage, which was actual characterization besides computer you know just like serious and smart now we get goofy and fun and i love that even like when they're checking out who's who's signing the scorch laon calls for backup and una's like no no no, i'll be your backup you know and then i love that uh laon says um what's uh people are idiot idiots you're fun yes (laughs) so cute i love that yeah it's like your own version of fun they're having their own Shore leave. They're, they're, what did Ortegas call it? They're, uh, stay leave. Or shore stay. stay. Yeah, shore stay. Well, and, like, they both comment, like, 
Laon is really excited to check the power of the phaser banks, you know, and <laughs> so um, cute. and yeah. Una's really pumped to like take a look at the crew rosters and like reorganize yeah. things. And so clearly, like they're they again with the quiet quitting, like it's not possible for no, Starfleet. Not with Starfleet, you yeah. can't do it. But if you can find someone who also doesn't love it, then you find other ways to quiet quit. Like because they they ended up actually getting a shore leave and yeah. not doing their work, which was really cool. I think exactly. that's what's really important. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just I can't wait. The show is fantastic. I can't wait to see more. I hope we get to talk about Strange New Worlds for years to come, oh, and yes. we get to know even more about Una. But I'm glad we got to talk so early about her first about this first officer because. We haven't been able to do that with a show, you know. We've been analyzing all of these first officers from start to finish. I'm really excited to see what more Rebecca Romaine will bring to the role. Yes, and just again, have to shout out the glorious Major Barrett. Glorious, uh, fantastic. Literal pioneer to mm. women in Trek and also just to the role of Una and literally would not be possible without her. So I'm so glad we got to look at the two of them together and see how they both fulfill the role of Una. And I'd say A plus all around. <laughs> A plus. Love her. Oh, all right. Well, Rihanna, oh my gosh. <laughs> we just finished a whole other series. <laughs> we get like a couple minutes of feeling weird because technically we are not on any series right now. We just finished <laughs> yeah. the first Officer series. But starting next week, I hope all of you have been feeling the spooky vibes because it's October and we will be starting the spooky series next week. We have some very spooky events planned for the month of October. And Rihanna, secretly, I kind of want to like get out like maybe a, like two episodes in a week or something crazy that if we be can nice. before so we can catch up before, uh, before Halloween. Halloween. Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah. we will be releasing spooky episodes after Halloween. But honestly, it's spooky season. Like after yeah. Halloween ends all the way until Thanksgiving, in my opinion, is fair game for feeling totally. spooky, for having your skeletons still on your porch, having oh, squirrels yeah. eating your rotting pumpkins it's okay oh yeah not until like i agree until thanksgiving then you start taking your decorations down and you put up your turkey about, <laughs> yeah uh, yeah you, you uh, shoot your turkey bring it home yeah. <laughs> says the two Said vegetarians the, yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly yeah so ashlyn i am like beyond thrilled uh to talk about this series i'm so glad you chose it this is gonna be so so much fun and we are just gonna be talking about all the scariest and most thrilling episodes in Star Trek, the original series, next I, week. I'm so excited. I may or may not have chosen the series just to see Janeway and Microcosm. That might... <laughs> You're like, I need that tank top right it now. It might have been a, a driving factor. <laughs> I it, could see Ashlyn's, like, brain, <laughs> like, cogs working. She's like, did I choose that because of the tank top? But, I you know, like, I, valid. I think I did. Yeah. <laughs> I chose the last series to, series to talk about Spock for, like, four hours. So, like, we all have your ulterior motives here on the pod, and that's fine because we get to fulfill them. We so. have our vices, and mine is that tank top, so... <laughs> Mine is Spock, I guess, in general. <laughs> I mean, you have eight of him on your wall, so. Yeah, yeah. Well, eight action figures and then a bunch of other arts and books and things, so. Rihanna's like, don't put me in a corner like I did to Spock. I have more. Yeah. <laughs> yeah he's literally in my corner. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my well, gosh. This was a blast. Thank you, Ashlyn, for always joining me on this amazing journey. I will see you next week when we will talk about the spooky Ooh. serial killers in Wolf in the Fold and more. <laughs>
<laughs> Can't wait. Wow, wow. Thank you for listening to the Dura Sisters podcast. Please tune in next week for the first episode of our spooky series, where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss all the bone-chilling episodes in Star Trek The Original Series. Please follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and check to see our suggested watch list for our upcoming episodes. Also take a moment to check out our content on Tumblr, TikTok, YouTube, and our merch on Threadless. All links can be found in the bio of any of our social media pages. If you like what you've heard, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. By donating any amount per month, you can become a monthly patron and unlock our exclusive reviews of Lower Decks, the animated series, a review of Galaxy Quest, and Star Trek Trivia. You can find all of us and more at patreon.com slash the Dura Sisters podcast. If you would like to contact us for any reason, please do so at the Dura Sisters podcast at gmail.com. So far, we have covered these podcast series, pilot episodes, family, love and affection, time travel, villains, movies, feminism, death fakeouts, and first officers. If you haven't heard a particular series yet, please go back and listen to any of these spectacular episodes. Social media and marketing by me, Ashlyn Gelman, and Rihanna Hurd. Editing is done by Rihanna Hurd and Ashlyn Gelman. Our intro and outro is by Jerry Goldsmith. Where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss all the scariest and spookiest. Um, where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss all of the, I want to say, like things that go bump in the night or something. Like, I don't want to use spooky again. Scariest and um, bone chilling. Yes, 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 I'll just Hair say bone raising? chilling, yes. Okay. Um, please tune in next week where Ashlyn and Rihanna will discuss the, what was it, bone raising? <laughs> we'll discuss bones and how he chills. We'll discuss <laughs> erections. <laughs> we'll discuss boner. Bone raising? Oh, God, okay. <laughs> it's bad, okay.